Hi, Tal. How you doing? Doing good. How you doing? Baruch Hashem. I'm on vacation. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's nice. Didn't have to work make... today. Everybody good by you? How's everyone doing? Uh, uh, good. Some work is, uh, you know, still on the mend. Hi. Uh, you know what? Ah, but can you come talk to Tully? I think they're actually, I've been on hold for a half hour. Hello? We're going to start now. Okay, I'm going to. Can you come? Hello? Hey. Hey. Getting ready to start. Oh. Oh, it's okay. You, you, can, you can go about what you're doing. Well, I'm, ba I'm back and forth. Are the regular suspects are showing up. Man, Pasha's Peshalach could take all night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Holy Carp goes through the Yamsuf. Thank you. All right. Okay. We'll start in a minute. Okay. Press record. Parsha's Bashalach. So as my father said, this is a packed, packed, packed Parsha. Um, Splitting of the Red Sea, one of the most famous, maybe the most, uh, no, I don't want to say the most, but certainly top five, uh, you know, biggest episodes in the, probably in the, in the whole Bible. So I want to start with a, a small, seemingly uh, small little ob uh, observation at the beginning of the Parsha, which I think I've never even focused on because there's so many big ideas in, in this Parsha. So in chapter 13, verse 19, it says that Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him, for he had firmly adjured the children of Israel, saying, God will surely remember you, and you shall bring out my bones from here with you. Seems like a pretty small thing, you know. 200 years earlier, many years earlier, Yosef had said, make sure my bones make it back. And it's amazing. Imagine a time, imagine someone before the um, American Revolution. If you can imagine before the American Revolution, you know, uh, someone who, who uh, I don't know, let's say George Washington would have told someone, you know, when Americans leave America, whenever that might be, hopefully, uh, hopefully we're in good shape for a while. But you know, if if uh, if the great people of Virginia ever leave Virginia, make sure to take my bones to Israel. It's a it's a, seems like a pretty big deal to ask, and why is it important to mention? So all the commentators actually focus on this. They say the Jews are trying to leave Egypt. Moses has three million people at in his care. He just he tells them all go get lots of gold and silver from Egypt. The Jews are clearing out the country, and what's um, what does uh, Moshe do? He goes and he tries to find. Joseph's bones, which apparently were in the water. He does a, mag, a, a, a miracle with God's help, and Joseph's coffin rises up from the water. It's just an amazing thing. So what most of the commentators say the same thing, that we learn 
from Moshe that as King as uh, King Solomon said, Chacham Lev Yikach Mitzvos, that a wise person always when takes every opportunity, doesn't waste a second to get to get any mitzvah they can. Here you have the Jewish people are supposed to be getting all the, the wealth out of, out of out of Egypt, but Mo, but Moshe stays focused as always and does the 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 the, the best thing possible. And the truth is, this wasn't really Moshe's responsibility. It was the whole Jews' responsibility. But Moshe remembered, and Moshe did it. And it brings to mind the famous parable from the Chafetz Chaim. You really could spend an hour on this parable, but uh, let's just uh, give the quick of it, the famous parable, that we all lose focus. There was once a man who uh, was uh, down on his luck. He saw an advertisement, go to Fantasy Island, and he goes to Fantasy Island, takes the six-month, uh, was it a three-hour tour, right? Uh, and he uh, gets to Gilligan's Island, and he um, and he uh, sees that he he goes to the store and he sees some. Before he goes to the store, he sees some diamonds on the ground. Takes the diamonds, goes to the store. Here he says, "Here, you know, can I buy my groceries with some diamonds? Keep the change." And he said, "You know, diamonds aren't worth anything here. There's diamonds all over the ground. It's like a pebble." You know, so he said, so what? So he said, currency here is schmaltz. Schmaltz is like chicken fat. And he goes and he learns how to preserve chicken fat, becomes the, the one of the big distributors of chicken fat, becomes wealthy. Time to go back home. He carts all of his schmaltz, puts it in boxes. He ships it home and forgets about the fact that he was he went to get all kinds of diamonds. And um, by the time he comes home, he finally realizes, what did he do? He, was, he, 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 he uh, lost focus. He got distracted by the schmaltz, and he brought home very few diamonds. So the Chavetz Chaim says, that's what many of us do in this world. What do we do in this world? We, uh, we get distracted by the schmaltz, right? And then uh, before you know it, I can tell you myself, you know, it's a uh, it's, I mean, a, a little bit of a, a small analogy. You know, when I go to a city to fundraise, I don't really done much of that, but let's say I go to Chicago and uh, I go there for two and a half days and I know I got to get as much money as I can in these two and a half days. I can't do anything else. And I really don't do anything else. I live out of a car, have my food and uh, wake up early in the morning you know, but when you're in our daily life, we often can forget about that. So King Shlomo says, Chacham Lev Yikach Mitzvah. A person who is wise of heart uh, make, takes every opportunity. So we have the famous song that the Jewish people sang together after they went through the Red Sea, the splitting of the Red Sea. Moshe starts the song. And then you have the women are singing. It was a beautiful, beautiful, I, we can't even imagine, I know, Charlton Heston in the movie did a, you know, not a bad idea, but, you know, nothing close. So one of the famous statements that's said in this, this song, which is we say actually in Davening every day, is was an, a famous statement, This is my God, this is my all-powerful God, and I will glorify him. So the Talmud elaborates on all these verses at length, 
But this verse specifically gets a lot of uh, ink spilled over it. And in, the, in Talmud and Shabbos, on page 133b, it says, we learn from here an overarching concept for all the mitzvahs in the Torah. And he says, we learn from here is, this is my God and I will glorify him, that there's a mitzvah to be, and a, there's a commandment, certainly very encouraged, to beautify mitzvahs. That, and that is why we see that we're not about checklists. Judaism is not a checklist relationship with God. The same way in a relationship, you don't do exactly what you have to do. If you want to maintain a nice relationship, you do more than you have to do. Obviously, you do what you're supposed to do. So we have, we say at our Shabbos tables, we have, you, you make a kiddush in a, in a silver cup if you can. You have a nice menorah. You have, a, you, you, you have things nice for shul, a nice talis. Everything we do, even... And it's interesting because, in general, we're not the, we're not a very ostentatious uh, tradition. I'm not saying aren't Jews who are, but as a, as a people, we're not. But all of us, like in my house, right? I have this. I have a five hundred dollar menorah, right? You come to my house, nothing else around five hundred dollars. Not really, very little, right? But we have a five hundred dollar. We have a two hundred dollar kiddush cup, right? Expensive things. We buy the four species. You know, I have three boys over bar mitzvah. It cost me five hundred dollars, right? Pesach. You spend a few thousand dollars. So we beautify mitzvahs. And the Rambam Maimonides takes this to even another level. He says beautifying mitzvahs doesn't just apply to the ritualistic things. It applies to the things which between man and man, woman and woman, and everything else. He says that when you do charity, when you do kindness to other people, you should do it in the best way possible. There was a story, there was a great rabbi and someone poor came to him. He said, you know, Rabbi, I don't have any shoes. I need some, I need new shoes. So the rabbi got up from his, his chair in the study hall, went home and brought him a beautiful new pair of shoes. His son was sitting, he said, Dad, you know, Abba, you know, we have lots of shoes in the house. They're good shoes, but those are the shoes that you just bought. Why don't you give him one of the, they're, they're those fine pairs of shoes? He's like, when you do a mitzvah, you do it beautifully. You do it right. So when, when you do someone a favor, when you do someone a kindness, Maimonides says you, you, there's a mitzvah, a mitzvah to do all things in a beautiful, glorified way. The Gemara there says another point on, on this verse. This is a beautiful thing. It's a concept called, this is really a really idea really for the um, Tuesday class, 48 Ways to Wisdom. There's an idea called Ayin Panim La Torah, which literally means there are 70 ways to look at any, any verse, uh, which means there's, 70 just means all-encompassing. There's really many more than 70. We say the 70 languages, 70 nations. 70 is an all-encompassing global number. It's, it's used many times. So um, in, the, in the Talmud there, when it talks about this verse, it says, uh, is my guy, not glorify him. So Abishol says, one of the great rabbis in the Talmud, he says, it means to emulate God. This is my God and I'll glorify him. How do you glorify God? How do you show respect someone? 
You show respect to a parent. You show respect to a teacher, a friend, a mentor. You sh by by emulating them. And this is the famous dictum of just like God is merciful, you should be merciful. Just like God's kind, you should be kind. And uh, we learn that from we learn that from this verse. Okay, let's move along. So, at the beginning of the song, it's a little bit uh, striking. Chapter fifteen. The start. The song starts like this. It says, "Then Moshe and the children of Israel chose to sing the song to Hashem, and they said the following." So, all the commentators focus on the on the fact that it, it that the Torah took the time to say. Then they sang. I mean, just say they just came out of the. There's a storyline here. They came out and just say, they sang. So what's the then? So some there's a lot of discussion. And I wanted to focus on one one medrash, fascinating medrash. I don't think I'm, I don't remember ever seeing this medrash before. The medrash says, why does he use the? Why does Moshe? Why do we have the word then here? Because this using the word then is to, is to make up for a different time that Moshe used the word then in a not good context. Going back four Torah portions, when Moshe got his first mission to, to Paro, Hashem says, Sends Moshe to Paro, tell him, tell him to go, let the let the Jewish people go. And what happens? Paro increases the work for the Jewish people. Paro Moshe comes back frustrated and, and uses, um, I forgot the exact uh, verse offhand, but when in his complaint to Hashem about what happens, that he's like, look, I'm making things worse. He uses the word then, us. So the Medrash says we see from here a, a, a global Jewish idea, the concept of something that what was seemingly bad or even was bad can be taken and ends up being the antidote and makes things better. And so Moshe realized to some degree that he used the word then inappropriately, and so here, what the Torah does is it employs the word here to show how how Moshe was was trying to make up for uh, for what happened. Similarly, the Medrash here says there's a story right after this. The Jewish people didn't have water, and they were in the place called Mara, which means bitter. And what does Hashem tell Moshe to do to get the Jews to have sweet tasting water? to take a bitter piece of wood, took the bitter piece of wood, and you put it in the bitter water, and what do you get? Sweet water. Bitter plus bitter equals sweet. That's the medrash. So we learned from this medrash a very, very important idea in life, which I think all of us have, uh, have I'm sure, experienced this to some degree, that we look back, either things that happened to us that seem to be bad end up being fantastic for us. We learn how sometimes when we make mistakes earlier in our lives, somehow we could take those, 
those experiences and use them for something good late, later on. There's so many men. There's just endless uh, things that that we can think of. I'll tell you a famous story that happened in World War II. Really, really amazing story. Um, so you know, Jews were trying to get out out, out of Germany fast. It was very hard because if you can get out, you had even if you got out, you had to find somewhere that would take you. So many Jews went to England, and the problem was is that the uh, um, a lot of the, the the British officials were very suspect of German Jews because a they didn't know if there were any collaborators or any spies. You know, they, and, and and probably rightfully so. They they had at the same time the there were lots of merciful people in England, and they knew that the Jews needed to get out. So it was a real challenge that they had. So in one, in one particular episode, when there was a, a whole bunch of Jews that came over to England, so the, the British decided we can't keep this group, but we don't want them to die. So we were going to send a bunch of refugees from Germany, Jewish refugees. We're going to ship them to Australia. But they knew the problem is that to sail anywhere around uh, Britain at that time was a very dangerous thing. Germany at that point in the war really had control of the waters. So what they did was, and also very few, um, very few sailors wanted to take that risky chance, especially if it's not even for the war effort. It's just to save some Jews. So the British, they found an unmarked uh, old ship and they found some, you know, not high-level sailors, ended up being anti-Semitic sailors, and they took this boat towards Australia. They started going towards Australia, and uh, a day in, the uh, anti-Semitic sailors really are being very abusive to the, to, the, to the Jews on board, and at one point, they go through all the Jews' properties, and they find there's no, there's no, no gold, no silver, because the Germans already stripped them everything. So in frustration, these, these anti-Semites, they took whatever little belongings that they had, their suitcases with their pictures and their last belongings, and they threw a bunch of the, of the, of the refugees' um, uh, suitcases overboard, and they were so sad. Turned out, shortly after, a German boat spotted them. And um, they sent a diver to go towards the boat in a, uh, in a quiet way. And the diver found the suitcases. And the diver picked up a suitcase and he saw there was German writing in them. And because he found the German writing in the suitcases, he figured, oh, these must be some Germans. I'll leave them alone. So what saved the Jews, they thought was frustrating, their last possessions, they, they thought uh, was, it was so sad, that ended up saving their, 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 um, their lives. There's countless stories a lot like that. Just another one. Okay. In verse, chapter 15, verse 23, after they come out, they're starting to travel in the desert. As we just mentioned... They traveled to this place called Mara, place called Bitter. What does it say? They came to Mara, but they could not drink the waters of Mara because they were bitter. 
It's an interesting, uh, a little wordy, a little ambiguous. So the commentators say the water really wasn't bitter. It says, why were the waters bitter? Why couldn't they drink it? Because they were bitter. The people were bitter. Bitter is in the eyes of the beholder. And beauty is in the, in the eyes of the beholder. If a person is has a bitter attitude, things will be bitter. If a person has a good attitude, things will be good. Famous story with um, Reb Zisha. Someone who was, had, who was really... You know, having a hard life, he goes to the Rebbe and he says, you know, I have so many problems, this and that, my family and money and this. The Rebbe says, you know what? And he, he tells the Rebbe, I want to have a better attitude. I don't know how to have a better attitude. He says, go to the forest, you'll find there's a man named Zusha. Goes to the forest, finds, this is a famous story, goes to the forest, he sees his broken down shack, dilapidated, He's about to turn around. He says, who is this? Some schlepper over here. But he says, you know, why not? I'm here. Knocks on the door. He says, is Zusha there? He says, I'm here. He says, the Rebbe, who happened to be his brother, says that you could teach me how to deal with all my problems in life. He says, I don't know. I don't know why you sent it to me because I've never had a problem a day in my life. I don't know. I can't tell you how to deal with problems. And we know that. We know, we know, all know those positive people. They're, uh, they, they, you can throw anything at them. And uh, it's very, you know, we, uh, it's not easy. You know, I think we shouldn't get down on ourselves if we do get negative. That's part of the human condition. But as much as we can, um, the, uh, the attitude we have will really pretty much uh, uh, decide how, how, uh, how our life experience is, um, is going to be. So then in this week's Parsha, we have the first, as a people, our first uh, case of uh, anti-Semitism. What happens? There's the nation Amalek, which for the rest of history becomes our arch nemesis. Amalek is the story of Purim is from Amalek. And the prophets, we have stories with Amalek. People say the Nazis were Amalek. It's really a philosophy, but it also is some genealogy to it. And the question is, why? what's so bad? <laughs> Unfortunately, we've had so many attacks against us. What was so bad about Amalek then? And what's so bad about Amalek now? What is this Amalek that the Torah, the Torah, which in general is a very tolerant Torah, you know, we, we embrace people, we... We have uh, appreciation to people. But the Torah says one of the six things to remember every single day is, is these are bad people. So what was so bad about it? So Rashi brings down the Gemara, the Medrash. The problem with Amalek, what Amalek did, is Amalek set the tone for history. What did Amalek do? Here you had God just put on the biggest show to ever happen. You have the 10 plagues. The people are, are the world is in awe of God. The Jewish people are riding high. God then tops it off and splits the Red Sea. Things are amazing. The world is inspired. Imagine an inspired world that saw the hand of God. And what do they do? They, met, they, they just say, chill out. 
the word they use is they they it's like you have a they 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 splashed some cold water on the world and they say ah, everyone relax you know Jewish people are infallible God's fallible you'll see it's just this little like you know it's like someone is a great inspiring moment and someone makes a joke someone makes an inappropriate joke right uh, they say uh you know a uh, one little wisecrack the Talmud says can push away a hundred uh, meaningful ideas. And so that's the concept of a mud. Hansel Malik is to, is to, is to, you know, don't be impacted, don't be inspired, you know, nothing really matters, things happen, you know, you know, that's, that's the attitude, which is, which is, a, which besides just not being very productive, is very counterproductive. And that and uh, that's really the worst attitude today. If you go to, oh, it used to be, um, you know, there's a, probably the biggest Jewish educational foundation in the world. Prague Shorish is an affiliate of uh, Olami. So for a while they had a video. I don't, I don't think it's there anymore. I'm sure it's in, in, in the in the archives. I had it on my landing page for a while. And they, the the, the video documented that the biggest problem. The Jewish people face today is something called Jewish apathy. Jewish apathy means you ask someone, "Are you Jewish?" They say, "Yeah." They say, "Wow." They're like, "No, I'm just Jewish. It doesn't really matter. It's good. It's not good. It's not bad. It's Jewish apathy, right? It doesn't really matter." So it, it, it used to be, you know, let's say even 250 years ago, there were people in, in the community like. They had opinions, Reform Jew, conservative Jew, enlightened Jew, Zionist, you know, Mizrahi. Uh, they were opinions. People had, had. now there are problems sometimes with different opinions, but people, people cared. Even myself, I'm a, you know, pretty young guy. And I've been, but I've been in, in the community, you know, dealing with different, interacting with people across the spectrum. And I would say when I first started about it, uh, 17 years ago, I would meet with people, let's say, who weren't as religious as myself. But most people, even if they disagreed with my brand of Judaism, they they had a a flavor of Judaism that they felt passionate about and they cared about it. And my experience today, I'm not blaming anyone in particular, is that most people I meet, it's not even like on the radar screen. And that's what Amalek did. Amalek said. No, nothing's important. Nothing's important, and that's why it's such a dangerous thing. You know, it's almost important to—I don't want to say it, but it's important to maybe even be passionate about something that's that's not that great. At least, but at least to care. Um, okay, so in this war, what happens? So Joshua is the general. Moshe is sitting on top of the mountain, and the verse says, "When Moshe lifted up his hands." The Jewish people won, and when Moshe's hands got heavier, the Jewish people were losing. But Mishnah says, I believe, I think it's in Rosh Hashanah, it says that you think Moshe's hands were like these magic wands, that that's what made the Jewish people win. It says, Moshe, Osos Muhammad, it's a famous song. Did the, the hands of Moshe make war or break war? It says, rather, what it was, his hands, 
it was when Moshe was able to exhibit the leadership to inspire the Jews to turn towards heaven. Then they were helped. And that's a great uh, lesson for life. You know, if a person's having a hard time, yes, they went to war. They, they did due diligence. Uh, I think Corona is a great lesson. You know, we're all, everyone, you know, thank God, hopefully uh, people, you know, things are winding down, vaccines and whatever else is going on. But we've been all doing our diligence at different points, times, different things. But the main thing is to know that the main thing is the main thing. That uh, we got to speak to 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 Hashem about it, and that's it works with everything. It works with health. It works with finance. It works with relationships. It works with really everything. That the 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 nature of this world is that we do what we got to do. But if we really want success, we gotta we gotta keep our hands hands raised, and um, and do that. Another sidebar lesson is we see how much we can impact someone else when we live, take the high road. And a lot of times it's actually easy to turn spy yourself. I feel myself as a, someone who for better, for worse, people look to me sometimes for, uh, for guidance or companionship. So that's an, it's, it's helpful because sometimes you can't motivate yourself for yourself. But if you know that your friend's looking at you, then that, and you may be inspiring them, then, um, then that could inspire yourself. And, and that's okay. And Judaism says we should do hacks. Hacks are a good thing. Hacks, that's the you know 21st century term for you know tricks. You know, Judaism says it's fine. Do what you gotta do. As long as it's kosher, do it. Do what you gotta do to like a lot of times when I study, especially if it's late at night. So I'll stop at Cumberland Farms, get myself a nice drink, I got myself a snack. Because you know, it's not so easy always to study for a couple hours. You know, I, sometimes I got things to do. I want to relax. I'm tired. But, you know, so I spend a couple bucks ha, ha, and have a few calories. Um, uh, that's something they teach you in yeshiva. Uh, that, uh, that's what you got to do. Okay, it's another idea or two here. So the Jews get the manna. A lot of things in this parasha. The Jews, they're in the desert now. They get the manna. They get the manna. No food. No food. So the Jews get this spiritual food. It's crazy. They wake up every morning. There's food outside. It tastes like honeycomb. And they say as long as you're on a high spiritual level, it could taste like anything you want. You want hamburgers, tastes like hamburgers, steak, vegan, vegetarian, whatever you wanted it to be, pescatarian. And, and if you were pregnant and you couldn't have certain foods because you're pregnant, so it didn't taste like those foods. It's 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 it's, it's incredible. This is spiritual food. This is the real, um, you know, real real healthy stuff, real powered power food. So the Meshach Achma says, Rameir Simchov Dvinsk, one of the great leaders of uh, past century, pre pre World War II. So he he asked the following question. I never really thought about this before. I saw this today. That you know, this is a miracle, and ha- every single Jew merited to have it for forty years. Okay, some had got a little higher level, some got a little low, but everybody got the baseline. And asked the Meshachachma, how could that be? You know, 
look throughout the generations, we're used to like, you know, you have a miracle, you have to be Elijah, you have to be Moshe, you have to be Samuel, you got to be uh, whoever, you know. So the Master Chachma points out, and he says that the Christ, this is so, so empowering for us in the 21st century, because us, objectively speaking, we're all on a very low spiritual level. Objectively, we are. There's no question about it. Anyone who has any spiritual, intellectual honesty knows that we're 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 very ingrained in this world. We're very distracted, and it's not something to feel bad about per se. It's just a reality to be in touch with that reality. So the Meshachachma says, "What is the what's the criteria for meriting divine assistance? We call it today siyata deshmaya." Right? I want to raise a lot of money. I want to study Torah. I want to help somebody. I want to accomplish something. I need something called, they call it Siyata Deshmaya. It's in Aramaic. It means divine assistance. Says Rameir Simcha Devins, who lived, I think, about 100 years ago. Um, he says that the main ingredient to merit divine assistance is Ratzon. Ratzon. Ratzon means desire. You don't have to be on a high spiritual level to have a desire to be on a high spiritual level. You know, one of my, my, my third son, he is in the middle of getting ready for his entrance exams for yeshiva. It's a very special time, a little bit of a nerve-wracking time. So one yeshiva that we've applied to, we're going next week. Uh, next week is our, our uh, we're, we're checking out a bunch of high schools, so I'm going to be on the road. It's going to be interesting with corona. Every, every yeshiva has its trick, how they're trying to make it work. So one particular yeshiva, they asked the boys to write an 150-word essay, handwritten. Now, this is 2021. Handwritten. They, they spell that. They want a handwritten 150-word essay written by the, the boy without help what they want to accomplish in yeshiva and why they want to go to yeshiva. And you can think about the wisdom of it. And I, originally, I emailed them. I said, you know, my son's much better on the computer. You know, and they said, no, whatever it is, he shouldn't worry about it. Write the way he writes. It was such a, and then he wrote it, and I saw it, and I, I'm, I think we're trying to scan it, and and I'll send it over. But it was such what it does when you write something, is and, and use your hands and use a pencil and a paper, you can you can draw out your your inner desires, and it's it's something powerful about that. And anyone, anyone who desires something, so what Hashem is looking for. Is Rahmana Liba boy? It's another Aramaic word. Hashem wants our heart. You know, we have different talents. Living in 2021, as a rule, we're not really capable of the objective spiritual levels that even people 50 years ago were capable of. But we're just as capable. We are just as capable as in any generation of wanting to grow. Wanting, wanting spirituality, wanting to be better people, wanting to be more kind, wanting to be more generous, wanting to, to connect to God, we're wanting to be better Jews, wanting to be better at, at, at everything. 
And that's what the Meshachachma said, is how every Jew merited to have the miracle of the month. And that's something we all can do, no matter what physical, mental, emotional, financial, circumstantial, medical handicaps we may have. Very, very special thing. Okay. Mm, okay. Maybe we'll say two more things, then we'll do a quick review. So, I never thought about it this way. I saw an idea today that, if you think about it, the Egyptian army was decimated. They just had a year of plagues, killed people, wounded people, the, their, 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 their livestock was gone, their, all the firstborn just died. So how many, how big do you think was this army that the Jews had just left three days ago? And so three days after this whole country is decimated, you have a group of Egyptians coming. How big was it already? Okay, it says there were 600 chariots. Okay, 600 chariots. We're talking about 3 million Jews. Now, we're not talking about Jews. I mean, I don't want to make fun of anyone, but the Jews by the Holocaust, unfortunately, they didn't have food, right? They, 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 they were broken physically. The Jews in Egypt were strong people. They ate well. They didn't hold back food from them. They, they, they were body, they, they built things. They were strong people. It wasn't a broken, there were 3 million people there. And they had livestock. So the Jewish people really could have put up a good fight. They really could have. Why were they so scared? I never heard this question before. You always hear how it's like the poor Jews. And you think about it, they have 600 men from the age of 20 to 60. And we do the calculation, there's 3 million people there. So why were they so desperate? And why, and, and, and why were they wanting to go back to Egypt? You see, they go to Moshe and they say, Moshe, this is scary. Let's go back to Egypt. It was better there. So the question is, first of all, if, if they, why were they scared? Why didn't, why, why didn't they put up a fight? And second of all, why are they saying to go back? Okay, you're scared now. You get it. But then why go back there? Go somewhere else. So... Um, So I saw two ideas. One says, and I've heard this said in many different ways, that it really was a limiting belief. They had a slave mentality. And we know this in America, because we know there were these huge plantations with hundreds of slaves, and maybe one little old man or little old woman, or even sometimes a child, bossing around hundreds of probably very physically um, enhanced slaves. Like, why couldn't they just, like, override? They easily could have. There's no question in many scenarios. Yes, there were definitely scenarios where they were outnumbered and there was artillery and all those kind of things. But, but, there's, no, but, but uh, there's no question in the South the reason why the, um, the slaves weren't successful in overthrowing their masters in many scenarios was why? It was because they had a slave mentality. 
they had a limiting belief. You never go to certain cages, certain circuses, and sometimes you see the animals and it's scary. Like, why can't the animals get out? And the answer is an elephant really can get out whenever it wants. But the, the, but the training of an elephant makes it that it has a limiting belief about itself, that it can't get out. And the Jewish people, even though they could have easily fought off the, the Egyptians, they had a belief, they had a slave mentality of 210 years. They said, huh, us? We can't, we can't fight the Egyptians. And all the commentaries they say today in 2021, this is still our biggest enemy. Our biggest enemy is our limited belief about ourselves. We think, me, be generous. I can't be generous. Me, be a great mother, great father, great friend, great uh, religious person, um, philanthropist, uh, whatever it might be. If we don't believe we can do it, then we won't do it. And we think we can't do it. And then we think we shouldn't do it. And I can tell you, everyone probably can look back on their educational history and their life history. You have people who believed in you, right? And you don't know how much you do for someone when you, when you show them you believe in them. And you can do it in a second. You know, I've been hanging around the yeshiva here for the past, this is my 24th year in Providence. And, you know, I see a lot of yeshiva guys come. And if you can see someone come in the morning. You got a four-hour study session. Someone could come in a little tired, maybe a little sad, not so excited. You could say one line to someone and change their life. I could, you can literally say to someone, you know, someone says a Torah idea, and you say, wow, that's such a great idea. You can, you can like, you have no idea when the last time someone said to someone, that was a great idea, right? So... A, we can build other people up. B, we, we need the, the best thing we can do for ourselves is not do what the Jews did by the splitting of the Red Sea. They were three million Jews and they were scared of a few Egyptians. You have a slave mentality. Another idea, and this is, I think, the flip idea, and then we'll do a quick review, is that why did the Jews want to go back to Egypt? They were enslaved there for 210 years. Why do they want to go back? They tell Moshe it was better off there. You know why? And there's, I think there's a, at least one mental health professional on, on the line here. But we all know why do people go back to their addictive patterns? Because it's comfortable, right? The Jews, as horrible as Egypt was, it was comfortable. Now they knew, you know, they have a relationship with God. It's going to require something. You know, being in a relationship requires work. Being in a job requires work. Having friends requires work. Doing anything requires work. It's much more comfortable to not do that. So the Jews, as sad as it was, they actually were comfortable. And that's why you, you see a lot, a lot of people today. It's very hard to help um, ourselves and other people sometimes if people are comfortable where they are. So let's do a quick review. I think Sparsha has got so many ideas, but, uh, you know, can't tell them all now. The first one is that Moshe went to find Yosef's bones on the way out of Egypt because he kept his eye on the ball. Even though everyone else was finding money, he, all, he didn't waste a minute of his time. He knew he always don't waste a second. A wise person grabs good opportunities. 
He says that God, it says that when we came out of the Red Sea, that the Jews said, they pointed to God, and they said, this is my God, I'm going to glorify him. We learn from there, when a person does mitzvot, you're supposed to do them beautifully. That's why we have beautiful menorahs and kiddush cups. And even when you do kindness, do kindness in a beautiful way, not just a practical way. We also learned from there that just like God is merciful, we're supposed to be merciful. We learned from Moshe the concept that a lot of times something that seems really bad can end up being the antidote ultimately in the, in the, um, in the future. So many stories, I'm sure we can look back, bad things happen, and they turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. We learned from Reb Zisha in the forest that they came to him, they asked Reb Zisha, how do I deal with challenges? How do I have a good attitude about challenges? And what did he say? He said, I don't know. I've never had any challenges, right? So everything is in your mentality. You can have, you can have two people in one situation. One person says, wow. One person says, oi. Then we talked about Amalek. What was so bad about the nation of Amalek, the Nazis, Haman? What's the attitude that's so bad? The attitude was the attitude of apathy. God made the ten plagues. The Jews went through the Red Sea. The whole world was wow. Amalek says, what's the big deal? So the worst, one of the worst things is to not care. Even if you have a, say a wrong opinion, at least you care. I know with kids, they say, uh, they studies show that a, a, a bad parent in, in most situations is better than no parent. Even if a parent makes some mistakes, at least I'm trying I care. I care enough to do something, even if I'm uh, I'm off. Then um, we also said that we says that how did the Jewish people win the war? Moshe lifted up his hands. The Talmud says the hands represented as you're fighting and doing your due diligence. You always remember that the real success is connecting to God. So he said with COVID, you do your you do what you got to do, but remember, God's God's got it. He said from the Remeir Simcha of Davinsk that if a person, even though today we're, let's say, we're on a much lower spiritual level than we used to be, but we can desire greatness as much as anyone ever. And that's really what God's looking for. And we know in relationships, you know, people can tolerate a lot of inadequacy in a relationship if they feel the other person cares and is interested in doing the right thing. You can have someone, let's say, who's naturally very polite, naturally very friendly, but if they don't really care, then you don't, you don't really care, right? So God wants our hearts, even if, you know, okay, I'm not saying we shouldn't try to do better, but the main thing is we, uh, that we want, to do the, you want that we want to be good people. And the last thing we said was, why did the Jews want to go back to Egypt? And why didn't they fight? One was because we like being comfortable. Comfortable is a good thing, but discomfort is often a better thing. Um, and it also said that the, the uh, limiting beliefs about ourselves, about other people, and this I've seen actually, is it's incredible. It's almost like some sort of kinetic energy that if you believe in someone else, they can feel it. So a person can engender, let's say you're a shy person, or let's say you don't even interact with someone too much. But you believe in people. When you walk down the street, people sense it. And uh, this is some of the lessons from this beautiful Parsha. Uh, it's definitely worthwhile to take a nice read. 
these Torah portions are, are really the beginning of the Jewish people. Next week is the revelation of Mount Sinai. So uh, stay tuned. Good Shabbos and good to see everybody. Nice, uh, is, that, is that the brain over there behind you? Yeah, sorry. This is leftover from my biocyte course. <laughs> I was late too. No, it's cute. It's, it's, uh, it's good to have you. And happy to be fun, everybody. Happy to Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. Bye, Carp. Hi, Mrs. Carp. Hey, Vicki, send regards to the family. I will. We miss you. All right, we'll get together soon. It's getting warm outside, you know. <laughs> it's supposed to be freezing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we actually were thinking if we, we, we keep thinking it's going to die down, we're getting like a heated tent outside or something. So, uh, you know, people could. Uh, be comfortable going outside together, but fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was cold this past weekend, but we were outside most of the weekend. So, I mean, I'm okay with cold weather, but maybe not below 25, you know? All right. So when it hits uh, 30, I'll, I'll, I'll hit you guys up. Yeah. All right. Good Shabbos. Take care. Good Shabbos and happy to be back. Thank you, Rabbi Carp. That was really good. All you right. got me off a clamp by that mun thing. Oh, yeah? Yep, that was really beautiful. I mean, the whole thing was beautiful, but that was really very, very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rabbi Carr, for your inspiring words, as usual. All right. Thank you. Right, have a good Shabbos. Uh, I'm, I would love to have read Yitzchak's letter. Uh, maybe he'll let you see it sometime. I'll have to ask him about it. You can ask him about it. Yeah. I'm going to ask him. All right. A good Shabbos. Thank you. Happy Tu B'Shvat.